the Ghost Goal Podcast. Sunday in the Premier League produced a plethora of goal fests as Manchester City and Tottenham played out to a 3-3 draw. Liverpool came from behind to defeat Fulham 4-3 at Anfield, and 10-man Chelsea held on to win 3-2 at the bridge against Brighton. We've got all those to cover, a few more important games on Saturday, and two more rounds of midweek and next weekend fixtures this week on the Ghost Goal Podcast. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode... What number is it, Javier? Uh... 434 episode 434 let's jump right into it skip right past the uh how are you's and yeah, how i don't you know doings. why i know the number though alex i don't track the numbers. we've got i was just speaking out thinking out loud like i said there were plenty of goals in uh just the sunday games alone we could do a pretty long pod covering all these games but we're going to try and fit in uh pretty good Manchester United Newcastle game on Sunday as well a little bit later and plus we've got tons of really good games to preview later on so this 3-3 draw between Manchester City and Tottenham that uh, went on a little bit earlier today what well, I'm sure you're relieved to see uh, not only Manchester City drop points but you know a little happiness that Tottenham drop points as well uh, it's uh, slightly boosts Arsenal's uh, you know title chances as they uh, you know stretch their lead to like a few more points uh, over this weekend what did you think of the game Javier? So I, I thought it went exactly how we thought it might go. Um, you know, Tottenham went and came and played their game. They were playing their high line. They, from the first minute, were pressing City, and it caught City off guard at the beginning. I mean, Tottenham were on the front foot, I would say, the first six or seven minutes of the game. Yeah, it was kind of end-to-end, but Tottenham got the goal. Um, and then, you know, it kind of looked like Tottenham maybe could go on and get another. But then it goes down right back down the other end, and... There's a own you know kind of crazy own goal, and then I think a minute later Holland misses a sitter, um, which could have made it two one, and I think he missed maybe two sitters in the first half, which was very uncharacteristic of Holland. Like one of them was like a gaping open goal, and he just like smashes it, and then uh, he had two of those where he just smashed them over the goal, you know, just almost seemed like too. Well, eager. the first one he he just barely put like wide right. right. That, that was the one I, I could not believe he, he didn't finish that one. I mean, City could have been up 4-1 or 3-1 at halftime, and they should have, frankly, been up that much. But because they didn't put the, the game to bed, we've seen this in a couple other games recently too, like the, the, the Chelsea one. They gave their opponents, Tottenham, you know, the belief to keep keep on pushing and, you know, keep going for the jugular. I was going to say, I mean, it went, it went, they... It worked in the sense that, I mean, they got the early goal, but then City really had a game plan to to neutralize it, and they got in over and over again, like you said, that made it 3-1. But Tottenham have this weird like tenacity right now where them and Liverpool, it seems like even if you're ahead like one or two goals, they can get back in the game and score a, ga- a goal or two and... They did it multiple times in this game. Um, you know, City went back up 2-1. They equalized. City made it 3-2. And then they equalized again in the 90th minute. It's annoying that, ta- that Tottenham now have, like, a game plan that they can follow, a manager who has them playing it. And in games like this where they should have gotten piped, you know, they were able to get a result. And we talked about that, you know, City always seemingly drop points against Tottenham for some reason. It's a... A curse for them right now. It's a team that they can't really uh, 
underestimate and they keep having, you know, these crazy games with they they end up either losing or drawing. I mean, they could have lost this game too. They there, there were chances. That, it surprises me how exposed City have been at the back in these last few games, conceding you know three goals to Tottenham, four goals to Chelsea. They play Man City or they play Aston Villa next. Like, you know, I I think they could concede like at least a couple of goals at home, like away from home to Villa. Like, like they can't keep like I don't I don't know how they're going to solve their defensive problems, but they can't keep conceding, you know, three two, three goals, because, yeah, they're good, they're really good, but they're going to keep dropping points if they do that. So it may seem counterintuitive, but I, I honestly think that, I, I know he came off the bench today, and I'm not, I'm not sure whether he was just coming back from an injury and that's what prevented him from starting. But having someone like uh, Mateo Kovacic available to He's start been fit in this midfield, whole time. he just hasn't been playing. I, I think he had an injury. He had an injury for the Chelsea game. I remember. I remember thinking I, I was surprised that they didn't start him in the Chelsea game uh, before that international break. But I feel like if they bring in someone like Kovacic to the starting lineup in place of Akanji, Akanji's been playing that John Stones role, the sort of hybrid defensive midfielder in a two deep midfield next to Rodri. And then at times he drops back in to make it like a back four with Walker, Ruben Diaz, and Gvardiol or Ake playing at the left side of, of that defense. If they substitute uh, like Kovacic for Akanji, yes, they'll be a, a down a defender. And you'd think that would make them less defensively solid. But what I'm seeing is like consistently frazzling Manchester City at the moment in multiple games is the transitional aspect of how teams like Tottenham, like Chelsea, how they play. Like you don't want to allow City the time and space to sit in possession, uh, keep the ball and control the game the way they want to. If you can make a game frantic and a little chaotic you can get into their heads. Yes, you're going to concede goals, just like Tottenham did today and like Chelsea did in that 4-4 uh, draw. And, the, and they Chelsea barely eked a draw out of that game. It's it's a big risk. But you're seeing like the top, top teams or like the teams that, that have the most money and uh, and are like usually consider themselves a little bit further up the table than where they may be at the moment. We've been able to, like, teams like that have been able to frazzle City a little bit. And I think bringing in a player like Kovacic, he thrives in that atmosphere. It was, whenever Chelsea played well against Manchester City when Kovacic was in our team, uh, that was something I always pointed to with him. Like, we, if we have, a, like, a player like Kovacic and a player like Kante, we can win the ball back, make it a purely transitional game, make it chaotic, and confuse and, and maybe catch some City players out, and you, like, just kind of create more chances for yourself as a result. So uh, that, that's one, like, fix I can think of. But then again, you, we have to look into, like, whether Kovacic is fit enough coming off, uh, like, some small injury to to start 90 minutes and, 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 you know, play at that, like, very energetic level that when he's at his best, he's one of the best in the world uh, doing that. And, and frankly, they're going to need him because Rodri was just uh, suspended for that Aston Villa game on, on Wednesday. He got a yellow card in this that means he's going to be out for one one game, and that's Villa away. So yeah, Rodri and Grealish. Maybe, maybe are, they just have to keep Rodri and Grealish are out. Oh, for also, this. Stones is back as yeah, well. Yeah, Grealish is out as well for this game. Uh, it looks like Doku might be hurt. So the the woes for City you do seem to be piling up a little bit. Um, now I don't know if City fans are happy that they went into this run of you know I know they lost to Arsenal at the beginning of the run, but then they beat Brighton. 
They beat Manchester United, beat Bournemouth, and then, you know, I know they didn't win any of these games, but they came out also with unbeaten against, you know, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Spurs. So I know it's not like the typical Man City form, but it's still decent form for City. They haven't been like atrocious or anything, but it's just that the amount of goals they've been leaking, you know, eight in, in three games seems like a lot for this Manchester City defense, even in, especially in big games. It feels like a lot of in the past it's been they've you know, played these big games with a little bit more caution to the, you know, building up a little bit. And, you know, a lot of the score lines would be 1 0 or 2 0 City. These 3 3, 4 4 games, I don't know how much they're, they're going to suit a title race in the long run. Yeah. At the same time, though, like I said, when teams make a game chaotic and end to end like that, that's still a style of play that really favors Manchester City. It, it favors players like Foden and uh, Doku and uh, Alvarez and Bernardo Silva and obviously Holland for it to be a wide open game where every time you're getting on the ball, you're turning and you're facing like the opponent's back four with a ton of space in behind. That gives you so much more options and is far more entertaining to watch, obviously, than if you're playing against teams that are just sitting in a low block and asking you to, you know, find some sort of intricate passing to break down their low block and score. It's, it's well, something I'm, that I I'm think excited to see them play against Villa. And, I'm excited to see right. how the, because Villa have been excellent this season. They are four points off the top of the table, one point behind Manchester City. They're right next to each other on the table. Uh, you know, Aston Villa have, this is the best start that they've had to a Premier League season before. They're flying right now in their Unai. I know they just drew, they, they had a, it was, it it was a rough. It was a rough draw against Bournemouth. You know, they they went down one nil early on, had to equalize, went down two one, and then you know got a, got a last minute equalizer. So for them, I'm sure they're they're thinking that draw was decent, especially if they can get some sort of result against Manchester City. Um, this is a huge week for them. I just want to say that they've got two home games midweek and then next weekend. This first one that we mentioned, Manchester City at home on Wednesday, three fifteen, and then next Sunday, I believe. No, next Saturday, twelve thirty p.m. They're going to host Arsenal. So you know, two of the best teams in the league. Yeah, coming not to Villa I'm Park, glad it goes. A- it's, I'm glad it's in that order of like we like Villa has the the really hard game midweek, and we have Luton midweek, and then we play Villa at the on the weekend with with an extra day's rest. With an you extra guys play day's Luton rest on Tuesday. Yep. So I am pretty happy about that. Um, but I do think for this for this Manchester City game, you know, this is going to be a big test. Villa been scoring goals for fun and. Uh, City have been kind of leaky, so I don't know. I do think City win it, but I think it could be another one of these shootouts. I'm going to say uh, 3-2 City on that one. I think Holland gets gets a couple of goals because he, he didn't get his goals. He got a couple of assists and you know was screaming at the referee to not allow uh, for not allowing play to go on and that foul on him at that the end. That was so blatant. He put a beautiful, that beautiful was... ball in over the top. Like, right. it probably should have had a hat-trick of assists for Grealish who was going in on goal, but yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. Uh, bad refereeing again. Yeah, well, so I guess we're kind of already doing the uh, way too early previews. So for this City Villa game, I'll go ahead and say two two. Wow, you're trusting Villa's home think- form. By the way, Villa have won every yeah. game at home so far this season, and going back to last season, you know they've been in on incredible form at home. So this is the. Uh, it's, I don't think it's a bad shout. Yeah, it's not and, a bad shout at in, all. In the past, when Villa haven't been anywhere near as good, City have won there, but it's been close. It's I can't remember too many times City shellacked them at Villa Park. Uh, but yeah, moving on, 
Also on Sunday, the uh, early time slot of games had a bunch of great high scoring games. And I put this Liverpool Fulham uh, one in there just because of the back and forth nature of it. The both teams taking taking the lead at different times in the game, uh, you know, two goals in like within two minutes of each other right at the end from Liverpool to get them over the line and get the three points. And also had a, a bunch of goal of the month candidates. I won't say goal of the season, but definitely goal of the month candidates. Uh, you know, Alexander Arnold's free kick that they technically said was a Leno own goal still looked nice in the moment. Uh, McAllister's McAllister's goal was rocket. beautiful. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. Incredible. Uh, Endo, his uh, equalizer uh, from the cutback from Salah, he took that really well, I thought. And uh, yeah, then just you know, you're Alex forgetting the De Cordova read, Alex goal. That was beautiful. Yeah, that was that nice. Was beautiful that was nice to play. You know, it's always fun to watch header. two little guys jump right. up Simic for Gass a post header. Dick, and, Dick and Ordova Reed, five like, foot five or whatever's towering header over the guy. Put him on a, right. him on a poster. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought it was a great game. I thought Fulham did really well to keep, just constantly get back in the game, especially after, you know, multiple setbacks of, uh, you know, Liverpool going ahead, them equalizing, Liverpool going ahead, they equalize. They go ahead, which looked amazing. You know, it looked like it was going to be a smash and grab ending Liverpool's 38 game, I think unbeaten run at Anfield that they've put together again after the last time they lost. And they've been perfect at home so far this season, winning every single game at Anfield. And it looked like that was going to stop. They would at least maybe get a draw. When I saw the endo goal, I was like, all right, a draw is fine. I'll take a couple points dropped. And then a minute later, just yeah. Unreal finish. Alex, like you said, just amazing game. One of the, uh, one of the games of the season so far. And, for Liverpool, I mean, what a what a huge boost! It's gotta make you just believe if you're a Liverpool fan that this team can can do things, can go places. Because didn't look like it was gonna happen for Liverpool in this game. There was a lot of frustration again. Darwin Nunez hit the crossbar in on goal. He was one v one again. He just fluffed his lines again. Speaking of players that should have had a hat trick of assists, Salah should have had a hat trick of assists uh, in this game. He set up two very good chances to Nunez, and he didn't didn't take either of them. And then Salah eventually got his assist for the endo equalizer. And it was like the least amazing of the assists. But yeah, I think we do need to mention, because I think the news came out right after we recorded last week about Allison's injury and that resulting in Cuevin Kelleher. I was say, Kelleher the was, Irish had a nightmare in this game. It, it, it was a rough first league start of the season. He, he usually plays the Carabao Cup and early FA Cup games, and he does well in those. Those are usually like pretty high scoring affairs too, so... Obviously, that means he's not anywhere close to the caliber they're used to with Allison. But do you really think Allison would have kept out like all of those? I feel like the Harry Wilson the first one, two for sure. You the think first so? two, Allison one hundred percent would have. Kept I'll agree out. with you. the The De Cordova Reed goal, he would not have kept out. So, uh, the second one, Tete's equalizer, like right before halftime, I'm definitely on board with you. Allison keeps that out or puts it out for a, a, a corner or something like that. But I, I don't know. I just thought I saw the, the first one and just the movement and the pace. And when Harry Wilson took it first touch, basically, I know it, it like goes basically through Kelleher. So you, you think the keeper should do better with that. But those first time finishes from like a fizzed in ball from the wing, they're, they're so hard to get like a look at as, as a keeper. I feel like maybe I, I've seen Allison concede goals like that as well. So 
the second goal, I'll definitely be critical of Kelleher for, but the first and third, I'm thinking that's just from him not playing too often. You know, even for Ireland now, Kelleher starts sometimes, but it's, you know, between him and Bazunu. Bazunu, I would say, is probably the preferred starter at the moment. I was going to say, I think uh, in this game was the first time we've really seen Trent given that freedom to get forward. Um, you know, Gomez started at right back and Trent just straight up played in midfield. And I thought he was really, really good in midfield. Um I thought this was his best performance of the season offensively, you know, with the chances he was creating as well as the goal. Um, yeah, I just, I've been impressed with Trent these last couple of games. I think he's starting to grow a little bit in stature and it looks like he's going to be playing a little bit more in that midfield role. Liverpool looked, um, you know, a little bit more incisive with him playing there with McAllister and Shabashlai. So I think that's an interesting move as, as opposed to like Curtis Jones or uh, Harvey Elliott, who've been playing there so far this season. No, it was it was Matip Van Dyke as the center back pairing with Simikas left back and Alexander Arnold right back. And okay, here's the thing: I, I'm not against Alexander Arnold playing that role that you just you know uh, just mentioned. But when you start Simikas as well, you're leaving Van Dyke and, and Matip out on an island uh, to you know try. Oh, I didn't and, realize they brought on Gomez in the in the. Okay, so that they brought so that's when he moved up minutes. further in midfield. I didn't notice that. I just I saw that later on. But yeah, so he he moved into midfield then after Gomez came on, and I thought he, he they, was they sacrifice good there. a lot defensively. Yeah, I mean maybe if they can find someone else who can play left back and play a little bit more conservatively, so they don't have you know both fullback spots being vacated by very attack minded players, maybe it can work, but. It seems like to be. It's not just Quiven Kelleher is what I'm saying. I think there's like a balance issue in general with Liverpool. They are too top heavy. It, it, it worked out for them this time. Say, but it, I don't know it, if it, it will. It does feel like continue. they're definitely almost a lock for top four, but it doesn't feel yeah. necessarily like this. This play style is is conducive to winning the league. It does feel like defensively they're definitely even much more so than City, you know, there to be had. And they've had a bunch of times where they've been in losing positions this season where they've had to come back, and they have. They're the team that's taken the most points from losing positions so far this season. I think like 15 or 16, something ridiculous like that. But they need to stop going behind in these games and having to come back because it's it's going to catch up with them eventually. And I know that they pulled it out again in this, but... It looked it looked like they weren't going to, and I don't know how many more of these perform you know magical like Klopp, because you know you got to give credit to Klopp here, you know what's he brought on Wataru Endo, who had the equalizer, and he you know he brought off Gravenberch and he brought off McAllister who who had also gotten the goal earlier. So I thought it was you know a, a good move for him the to, to let Trent go into midfield, you know bringing on Gomez. He he changed the the tactics a little bit. And, uh, you know, you got to give him credit for that. So Klopp's definitely still got it. Liverpool still got it, but they, they got to sort something out defensively. And I don't think it's going to happen right now. I think it might be like a signing in January, maybe that's needed. It, it's not going to happen until Allison and uh, Andrew Robertson are back. Andy Robertson. Yeah, you know? definitely. But the, the, the injuries that City have had to some of their really important attacking players, Liverpool have had to deal with those on the defensive side. So... You know, it's different problems, but, you but know, Liverpool have a nice, easy game away at Sheffield midweek. They should be able to, you know, pipe them and get a nice yeah. clean sheet, maybe. So, all right, moving on. Uh, let's hit on the biggest of the Saturday games Newcastle beating Manchester United 1 0 at home. It wasn't really even that close. Uh, it probably should have been a lot more. It was a very disappointing performance from Manchester United that, frankly, I, I just have to. 
you got to put a little so bit dull of the, the blame on that. I feel like you have to put some of the blame for that on just how disappointing of a result they had in Europe in that Galatasaray game last week to be up by two goals at multiple different points in Istanbul. It's such a like a cauldron of a stadium to try and go get a result and then to eventually draw 3-3 and they're pretty much out of Europe. Maybe they get a miracle on the final like round to get through in the Champions League, but they'd have to beat Bayern Munich and hope that Galatasaray and Copenhagen draw. Just the letdown of that and to come back and go to one of the toughest places to play right now. I think I think Newcastle in the first half it was it was nil nil at halftime, but they had something like seventeen like shots to United Manchester United's one. It was it could have been much worse than one nil. Uh, there was like a few like okay performances from uh, Manchester United, like uh, this eighteen year old Kobe Minu. He he looks nice. He's very energetic. Maguire did pretty well. Yeah, Maguire was was solid, um, definitely. But uh, until he was offside for that uh, potential equalizer that they had uh, chalked off. But I just want to say about Mainu, he seems like the kind of young player that hasn't been tainted by, you know, all all of this craziness that seems to just circle Manchester United on and off the field. He, he seems like he's still enthusiastic and optimistic. He's still running around trying to close players down in midfield. I feel like they've got something there and they need to start like figuring out which like combination of Mainu, uh, McTominay, Amrabat, Casemiro, once he's back fit, which combination well, of players what's like happened that with Varane, can Alex? get them. He's been fit. He's been on the bench the last yeah. month and a half. I, I don't know what's going God, on with knows. him and Ten Hag, but he hasn't been playing at all. And it's weird that, you know, they've needed players like Lindelof, like Maguire. You know, I, I know Luke Shaw being back at shoes for them, and they're definitely missing Lissandro Martinez. So there's definitely some pieces that need to come back into this team to, to kind of sort it out defensively and get the balance right. But yeah, because I mean, I'd be worried offensively. I thought Bruno was just didn't have a great game. I thought he was probably their best offensive player, though. I thought Garnacho, after having such a you know great performance, he, he was energetic at times and was made some good runs, but... I think the the biggest problem though was Marcus Rashford. I thought Rashford was awful, giving the ball away constantly, just not tracking back, being lazy, being lazy with passes, being lazy with his decisions. You know, him and Martial were both just <laughs> kind of horrendous to watch, and they both came off in the 60th minute. You know, when and they both they both like threw right fits and when, when they, they came off, and it's like, just like you, you, guys you guys were didn't terrible. Do anything. Right, I don't know why you guys are <laughs> no, complaining. No one feels bad for right. you. You both played terribly. Get the fuck off like, the field. Like that's not so the standard that Manchester United should ever be accepting. So yeah, I, I, definitely a lot of problems at Manchester United. But hey, they didn't lose that badly, um, and they have eight wins this season. So I know they haven't. Ha- they have zero draws, and they have like six losses or something. So eight wins and six losses. It's you either win or you lose with United this season, but they, 24 points after after six losses is not a terrible result for United to be in. And you know what's crazy, Alex? I heard the other day that Ten Hag is the, the, the manager that's had the most points at this time, like after this amount of games at Manchester United. Of any manager ever at Manchester United, so I think I think it's like the most points since Alex Ferguson in his first 50 league games. I thought Ferguson didn't do well in his first like season or two at United. In in, in the Premier League, sorry, Premier League. So Ferguson had already been there for you know seven or eight years. Right. Or, like, okay. Maybe that makes sense. Okay. Okay. Started. That makes sense. But I was gonna say in his first actual games at Manchester United, even like dating back to when it was called just the English League, 
this is the best like start that a manager's ever had at United. So it's hard to criticize him too much with everything that's been going on. And I, I think I mean it's not though because they play terribly and still get good results. Which you know when it happens, like, like even that Everton game, the three nil win last weekend, they score a great goal to open it. But they could have been down like 2-1 at halftime. Instead, they got in 1-0 and eventually went on to win 3-0. And you can count plenty of other games before that where even at home against far lesser opposition, they don't play well but still win. I fully expect, and I don't hope for this, but I fully expect for this this Chelsea game they have at Old Trafford on Wednesday, I expect them to play terribly, us to create a lot of chances, miss them, and then Manchester United to win 1-0 or something. Like Just how I feel like that one's going to go. Just because that, that that's just how it always seems to go so far this season and late in last season for Manchester United. What do you think is going to happen in this Chelsea game, Alex? Because they play you guys. You guys got to go to Old Trafford on Wednesday. Chelsea have been on fairly decent form. You know, you guys had that nice unbeaten run. I know you guys lost. You know, uh, have had you guys have a couple of abrupt losses. You know that have thrown off your momentum, but. It seems like you're a little bit back on track with the with that three two. I'll skip the the Brighton like analysis because that game was just so weird. All the goals were you know set pieces. It was kind of weird, pretty much. Yeah. Other than the Buonanotte, uh, are you goal, are you not worried, Alex? I, I said this to my dad. Are you not worried that it's seemingly Chelsea in the last you know four or five six games that they've had this pretty good run that a lot of the goals have come off of either penalties or corners? You know, I mean, those are good sources of goals i know but it definitely could dry up uh there hasn't been like a ton of open play goals from you guys so are you are you not worried a little bit about that or you know i know gallagher is going to be suspended that's kind of a a big deal for you guys not going to have gallagher in the midweek it it is a big deal but at the same time we, we lose a player like gallagher for for one game from a suspension for a second yellow card but we get back Reese James, who had the same thing happen to him against Newcastle. He'll be back for this game. Kukurea, the same. He had a yellow card in the Newcastle game that resulted in a one-game suspension for two. Looks many like you guys took Sterling cards. off too to to probably start him, and and you know he got a little bit of rest. Yeah. Look, I, Chelsea, especially at Old Trafford, it doesn't really matter how good we are or how bad we are, and vice versa. Manchester United always just seem to not lose these games. Like, the best we can usually hope for in the league at Old Trafford is usually a draw. So if that's what ends up happening, then I'll take it, and I'll move on to Everton away in the game after that. But I kind of think you guys, like, like not, like, destroy them, but, like, I do think you guys actually win this. I I, I think that United yeah, have been thing, a little we've lucky, done like, stylistically, of times as well. where they've been... I, I think we, they've been, we've outplayed them there, and we've still, like, drawn the game 1-1 or something. It's just things just don't go our way at Old Trafford. I'm just telling you. So I'll probably predict that as the, the scoreline. Maybe 2-2. Two, I'm going to say 2-1 two, Chelsea. Wow. All right. Well, you got, this is your that. biggest biggest win of the season. You guys go there and get your get your biggest win of the season at Old Trafford. Everyone starts spouting Chelsea. Do they have a chance to get into the Europa League places? <laughs> Maybe if we win the Carabao Cup. Who knows? Uh, but from the Newcastle side, Alex, I just want to talk about them a little bit because they played the same lineup that they played in midweek for the Champions League. Um, you know, huge effort to get that one-one draw against PSG. They don't you really know, have a choice. That they were, yeah. I was about They've to say got too many, injuries but then they literally had no one out. on the bench that they could bring on. They brought on Matty Ritchie in the 97th minute, and then, like you said, Pope went down injured in the 86th minute. Eddie Howe saying it's a serious shoulder injury; he could be out one to three months. You know, it just doesn't feel like the breaks are coming for Newcastle. Um, and 
it feels like they're getting more and more injuries. This team's going to get fatigued. And apparently, you know, Gordon apparently had some tightness. So I don't know if he's going to be able to to start in the next game. You know, he might be another one that, that they need to, you know, f- play maybe Amadou Diallo or I don't know. I, they don't really have many options right now. But the, when you look at their bench, there's almost no one who can come in and play right now. So, yeah, rough times for them. They need to get some players back from injury and, and get fit again because I think but, the, the results you, are going to – it's crazy to keep keeping up the results, though. The, you, the quality I, of I just want to mention. I want to mention just broadly speaking across the Premier League, we all like to talk about like in light of bad results or bad performances for our own teams – like, oh, the injuries are terrible. Like, I've done it plenty of times as a Chelsea fan. It all just points to there are too many games at the moment. And the scheduling is just too insane. Because when Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool specifically with their defense, Newcastle, Tottenham, even though theirs was is kind of, kind of due to suspensions also... You can go up and down the league. Aston Villa had multiple players ruled out for the season in the first couple of games of the season. It's not a coincidence. There are just too many games. Every top team, and I'm sure we could think of plenty of teams right. up and we down We love it, Alex. You can't complain about Dude, it. Dude, Arsenal, love getting Arsenal all the games. You, guys, you guys have had plenty of injuries as well. Timber yeah, in the first I mean, game I'm okay with us like kicking ourselves out of the Carabao Cup or this now upcoming FA Cup with... Apparently now we have a, a draw with Liverpool at the Emirates. So if we go, if we lose that game, I'm okay with it because I'd rather us just focus on the Champions League and the league. Because you're right, Alex. There's too many games, and you got you got to learn to manage that that workload. That, that's in the FA Cup, right? The, the yeah, Liverpool the FA game. Cup. Yep, yeah. we have them in in the first week of January. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. But I'm uh I'm not hopeful for Newcastle in this next month or two with these injuries that they have. I think they're gonna they might have. You know they don't have the hardest fixtures, which which is kind of kind for them when they have all these injuries. But there might be one or two games where we don't expect Newcastle to drop points, and they do because of these injuries. And especially the one to Nick Pope, man. I, I mean, I know Dubrovka is a pretty good backup goalie, but Nick Pope's just been so he's you know probably been the best shot stopping keeper so far in the, the league this season. So he's been amazing for England. I mean, no, no, he doesn't play for England. Pickford does, but yeah, he's just I don't know. Pope's been great for me. And uh, that's uh, it's a big blow for Newcastle. They play they play Tottenham in the midweek. No, they have Tottenham next uh, they have, Sunday. They have Tottenham next to... weekend, don't they? Okay. All right. So in lieu of talking about those uh, ne- next week's big fixtures, Aston Villa, Arsenal, and uh, Tottenham Newcastle on this pod, we're going to get together probably on Thursday night after this uh, midweek round of games has been played. Uh, jump on Instagram Live at Ghost Goal Pod. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that handle, at Pod to see when we're going to be going live. And uh, if you can't drop in for the live itself, we'll post it to the uh, Instagram account and to the uh, Twitter slash X account. So you can check it out either later on Thursday or uh, on Friday before the next round of uh, matches next Saturday and Sunday. Now we're going to step into the kitchen. It's a busy week. You're going to need it in terms of uh, making decisions for your fantasy lineup. Javier, what have you got in the oven I think cooking I've up talk- for th- these you next two have, game weeks? Yeah, you guys might have picked up picked it up a little bit, um, me talking about it, but Trent Alexander-Arnold, he, up till this point this season, he only had, uh, you know, until these last two games, he had one assist. So he was not a good fantasy asset. You know, they were clean sheets here and there, but 
he wasn't racking up points really, but in these last couple of games, you know, against Manchester City, he picked up a goal, eight points, and then against Fulham, a goal and an assist, and he looked really good, you know, going forward, which we haven't really seen too much from him this season. So I think he's got Sheffield away next, then he's got Crystal Palace, then he's got Manchester United at home. I think he'd get he could get, you know, returns in all three of these next games. So I think Trent Alexander Arnold, he's one where, you know, he's really expensive. So he's hard to bring into your team. I haven't had him at all this season, but I, I am definitely considering him right now. And this is the best so far he's looked. So I'm definitely like on alert for him to see if, if he's one that you should be bringing into your team. Then with all these like goalie injuries that we've been talking about, Alex, there's a few, uh, you know, 3.9 million goalies. Uh, I already talked about, you know, Cueven Kelleher. That's one. Um, but now there's Dubrovka, Alex. He's 3.9. Nine mil as well. He's you know probably going to play these next few games for Newcastle, um, and Newcastle have a, have a pretty kind run of fixtures coming up. They do have Tottenham Everton away. away, yeah, Tottenham away, but then they've got Fulham at home, Luton away, and Nottingham Forest at home. So definitely okay. some clean sheet potential in the Fulham, Luton, Nottingham Forest games um, or the Everton game. So you know Dubrovka might be good for just this run of three or four games here. Um, so that's that's another one to look at. If you want, if you're in looking for a budget striker or uh, you know want to move to someone who, you know, you have like a Watkins and you want to make a big move in midfield, uh, Antoine Semenyo, Alex, he's been uh, quietly doing pretty decently this season. He has three goals, two assists for Bournemouth. Seems to be one of the you know bigger threats going forward for them in a in a pretty attacking side, and. Bournemouth have a pretty decent run of fixtures coming up. Um, they've got Crystal Palace away. Manchester United away, Luton at home, Forest away, and Fulham at home. So, some pretty easy games in there. Um, even Manchester United aren't, you know, in in the, the best of form. So, you know, you never know with Bournemouth getting a result. And their general um, yeah. form has been good. They've taken ten points from their last fifteen. I was about available. to say uh, they just got a draw against Villa, where Villa had to come from behind twice. They beat Newcastle. They beat Sheffield United um, and they beat Burnley. I know they had that really bad loss to City, but that could happen to anybody. So, yeah, I mean, they, they've been, you know, especially this run of games. I think uh, Semenyo's picked up two goals and an assist in these last, you know, three or four games. So he's really picked up his production for 4.6 mil. Might not be the worst punt to have on your bench. Um, you know, first guy coming off. What's he listed uh, so as? A striker? He's a striker. Yeah, he's a okay. striker. So if you want to make a drop to the he's, you know, one of the cheapest strikers. You know, a lot of people have had Archer in there for four point five mil, you know, point one mil more, you know, bringing in Semenya who's actually been producing. Not a not a bad shout there, I think. Yeah, that's uh, not a bad suggestion at all. Uh all right, let's leave it at that. We uh, are gonna have plenty more to talk about later this week. Javier, thank you for jumping on uh, on Sunday this time so we could get this out uh, before the Tuesday games uh, kick off and people have some time to listen. If you want to follow Javier on Twitter, you can follow him ha- at JavierRev9, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ASMOS92. Go ahead and follow the Ghost Goal Pod Twitter and Instagram accounts as well, at Ghost Goal Pod, and keep an eye out for uh, when we decide we're going to be going live. I'll uh, throw up uh, notifications on Twitter and Instagram through the the podcast accounts letting you guys know when we're going to be going live and obviously posting it for you all to watch later enjoy this flurry of premier league football to start december and until next time see you